Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk for life of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for their lust. Blindly passion, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his mark. scriptures that tell us that weeping will come in the evening and and we'll have peace in the day and and um and you know father we just thank you for the journey we praise you for awakening us whether we're right or we're wrong about exactly where we are in the biblical end times timeline we praise you father god because if it wasn't for the awakening that we've each gone through to whatever extent that we're at right now uh many of us would be left in the um very frightening and kind of scary place that a lot of churchianity and the people that are kind of trapped in the in the grip of churchianity are at right now and we know sadly that many of them will be caught unaware and um their allegiances will be well askew and um and father we just lift up every one of our brothers and sisters we just hold them up before you we hold up the every denomination lord god we hold up um because so many of them have uh, you know, even when it's one of the you know better denominations that some of us you know have been a part of throughout our walk, there are pros and cons associated with the belief systems of all of them. And um, and Father, we just lift them up before you. We lift up those of those of our brothers and sisters who are really genuinely good Christians in their heart, but yet they they just want good news. You know, they want edification, but they want to believe that that edification means. You know, only positive information, and that's that's just simply not the reality of the word edification. And and we understand that, and we praise you, Father, for helping us to understand what we where we are uh, in a, in proximity, and also to understand what is at stake, uh, how glorious it is that you have blessed us, even though that we know that we are you know many of us are going through incredible trials and tribulations and and difficulties, and and also help us, Father. We pray that you will imprint upon our heart. Uh, 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 an interesting witticism that that goes like this. Our lives are full of cataclysms that have not 
come to pass. And Father, we just pray that a spirit of peace will fall upon each of our hearts. We will not worry about the things that are so easy to worry about because we know that you're going to come through for us, uh, that maybe the perfect plan of our walk here on this earth might uh, veer off to the left or veer off to the right. We, you know, as Isaiah 20, uh, 30, 21 says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying behind me saying, this is the way walk in it whenever I turn to the left hand or whenever I turn to the right. And Father, we want to be in alignment with the, with the direction that you want us to walk. We want to be uh, in your perfect will as best as we can. Uh, we pray, Father, that you will give us strength um, through all the gifts of the Holy Spirit as we do whatever we can within the realm of our influence and our lives and our experiences and our jobs and our trials and tribulations and the, the things that are you know happening amidst our families and all the other things that we're dealing with. And even if we're going through a period of respite and, and uh, peace right now, Father, we just thank you for that and we praise you for awakening us for, for the days that we're in right now, helping us to understand the, the uh, magnitude of the opportunity that you have laid before us and, and given us that hope, with that hope that we all need to have uh, so that we're able to absolutely, uh, totally overcome any concerns, any worries, any fears, because fear is essentially a combination of our own earthly viewpoint on things combined with the satanic influences of the darkness trying to twist our, our hearts and our minds and our spirit away from believing and knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are our Father uh, and that we, you know, we know that you know the things that you think about us, not things about you know, not, not to bring us to, to you know, things of evil, but things of good to bring us to an expected end. Uh, Jeremiah 29, I think it's 11. Um, praise God. But anyway, we just praise you, Father, for the opportunity. We thank you, Father, for the strength that we know that you're going to give us. May, may we wake up tomorrow, even in the midst of trials and tribulations that seem insurmountable. And just raise our hands up uh, in the early, early wee hours of the morning and just give you praise and say, this is the day that the Lord hath made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now to him, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless someday before the presence of our Father with exceeding joy. And to you, Father God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I got a sound report from Sister Vera up in Ontario where the there uh, evidently now we don't just have one beaver walking, welcoming everybody to Canada on the freeway. We actually have an entire family, maybe cousins, aunts, uncles. Uh, so be very careful as you're driving toward Ontario because as these beavers are waving you on saying, welcome to Canada, welcome to Canada, welcome to Canada. Well, you don't want to accidentally bump into one of them. Praise God. But anyway, she says that the sound is good. So I'll just run with that. And thank you, Jesus. All right. Praise God. And I don't know why my little gizmo and my gadgets are, are constantly changing i gotta flip them i don't know. it just died right there now vera i'm gonna ask you because uh, i'm seeing some weird electronic indications on the golden jib jesus and broadcasting studios equipment here uh i'm just gonna toss this over the wall to you and say one more time can you confirm that the audio is okay and then i'm just gonna run with the rest of the show praise god and and anybody any one of you out there that feel led to email me i am on monitoring my email as well she vera says i am good and uh and she has uh uh, she's going to go out and gather up all the beavers so you don't bump into them on the way up to her house. So anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, boy, do we have a lot to cover tonight. Um, so for that reason, I am going to, kids, I don't want to leave you out. So kids, you ready for a joke? You are? Ah, see, I kind of knew you were. All right, kids, why did the pilgrim sail from England to America? Why did the pink pilgrims, you remember that from school, um, all two minutes of that conversation. Um, why did they, why? You know, why did the pilgrims sail from England to America? Because there were no airplanes. <laughs> you know, sail versus, you know, come on, kids. What are you, it's not that bad. Okay. All right. I'm always worried about whether or not I'm going to get, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, you know, kind of like the evil Spanky, you know, when he rallies the kids against me and I start getting all these boos and everything. Stop it, Spanky, put it down. Oh, no. Oh, see, they are listening to you. This is just totally unfair. Praise God. All right, next one up. How can you tell if an ant, an ant is a boy or a girl? Well, they're obviously all girls. Otherwise, they would be uncles. Get it, kids? Come on, that's reasonably decent, isn't it? Kids? Oh, Spanky, put the sign down. Spanky, put the sign down. This is not fair. You're ganging up on me. Kids, another pilgrim one. If the pilgrims were alive today, what would they be most famous for? If they were alive today, what in the world would they be the most famous for? Their age. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be pretty doggone old, wouldn't they, kids? Come on, that's pretty funny, huh? Hey, all right. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Now, um, sometimes the summaries of the things that are happening across the world, now, of course, we're going to hit the rest of the news in a second, but I wanted to play a couple audio bites for you because, now, we can't play the whole things. I will tell you the title, and you can look it up, and hopefully, maybe, if you're blessed, so blessed, you can you know listen to the whole thing yourself these are both both of these audio uh 
AV, Audio Video Bytes. Uh, one of them is from HRR. Uh, I don't know if that's a bitch. bitch no, that's Brideon.com. And then the other one is from, uh, it's a bit shoot publication. Um, but I'm going to play a little snippet of each one of them, maybe five minutes of each, because there is, it's absolutely overflowing with really super important information and, uh, you know, stuff that, uh, that you know, is a little bit, you know, I, I could summarize it too, but uh, it's, hey, it's right here and ready to go. So let's just go ahead and uh, the one is a uh, Brideon uh, video uh, where a, a particular person, uh, his name is Gonzalo Lira, is speaking with Mike Adams of, uh, you know, the, uh, the health site. Now, a health ranger report thing. All right. Well, anyway, so Mike Adams does a really, really good job in the very beginning of this, uh, setting it up uh, and speaking in regard to the myriad of um, global financial collapse uh, activities uh, that are in progress right now. And um, I think I think this summarization now I, I like the whole I'm just here to tell you I listen to all 90 minutes of this. So if you want to find it on Brighteon, uh, it is entitled and it's the Health Ranger Report. And um, it's entitled Situation Update September 17th of 2022 dash the economic annihilation of Europe. Dash, Gonzalo, Lira, and Mike Adams, part two. All right, but I, I'm just going to play the introduction because it does a, a, just a fabulous job, kind of like recapping or summarizing, if you will, uh, a whole bunch of things that most of us know to some degree are in progress, but I think reinforcement is clearly something that we need to be, uh, fight, you know, we need, we need to fight for that reinforcement. You know, I, I, I listened to this and the other uh, uh, video, uh, took about four hours of time, um, maybe a little less, and um, in their entirety, which, by the way, is something I don't usually do because of time. But I got up really, really early in the morning on Saturday morning, and I just flipped it on and tuned out the world and listened very closely. And both of these turned out to be a blessing from the Lord because they were uh, it was able to summarize things that would have taken me much more time to dig up. You know, So if we all work together as a team, of course, we're going to be able to get more information and have a better understanding of what's coming next. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, the first one I'm going to start with is the Mike Adams, uh, Gonzalo Lira situation update from September 17th of 2022 on HRR. Okay. So praise God. And that's on the Brightian thing. Here we go. Welcome, Mike Adams here. We're about to jump into the second half of the interview with Gonzalo Lira. Already received just a wave of positive feedback about the first half of the interview. A lot of people were really excited to hear this long-form format with uh, Gonzalo and myself asking questions. Uh, a lot of information in that first hour. If you missed it, check it out on my channel, HRReport at Brighttown.com. But before we jump into the second half, there have been so many things that have happened in the last 24 hours that were frankly predicted by Gonzalo Lira and things that we talked about. I've got to bring in those headlines. So first, Wall Street Journal reporting FedEx to close offices and park aircraft after warning about a sales shortfall. The CEO went on CNBC, I believe it was yesterday, saying there's a global recession in place. Demand for shipping packages is falling off a cliff. FedEx is, in fact, uh, well, contracting. And FedEx shares fell at one point as much as 19% in one day. So FedEx is contracting. We've got the stock market reacting to that in a strongly negative way. 
Consumer demand in many other areas is also plummeting, including in appliances. We're seeing consumer demand in mortgages plummeting as well. But just yesterday, Germany seizes control of Russian-owned oil refineries. This is from the Epoch Times, that Berlin has taken control of three Russian-owned refineries located in Germany to try to shore up energy security before the planned embargo on oil imports from Russia kicks in. So here we have the West, Western, a Western nation, Germany, which is part of the cabal of Western nations that already stole what was rumored to be over $300 billion in foreign currency reserves that were owned by Russia but held in Western central banks. The West just confiscated $300 billion, and now they're stealing Russia's refineries that have been set up in Germany. And this is what Western nations are resorting to now, is just stealing everything. They've also stolen oil off of ships in the seas. They're just like piracy of the high seas. This is what Western nations are resorting to. It's just incredible. There's nothing they won't do you know, to try to destroy Russia, but also save themselves from the impending energy collapse. A couple more important stories over the last 24 hours. This one from Freight Waves. Imports to Los Angeles, America's largest port, plunged 17% in August. That's right. International cargo shipping is collapsing in one month, down 17%. Why? Because consumers aren't buying the same level of goods that they used to buy. The Wall Street Journal also reporting that Scott's miracle Grow is buried in fertilizer. They have way too much fertilizer now. They overproduced thinking that people were going to engage in home gardening because they would be locked down at home with nothing else to do. And, of course, smart people are growing some of their own food, but not enough of them. So Scott's miracle Grow is, uh, well, they've had to lay off people. They've cut 450 jobs, which is about 6% of their workforce. More layoffs are coming. Cash is dwindling, says the Wall Street Journal. Nobody's getting bonuses instead quote the company is in full-blown crisis mode because they overproduced and now consumer demand has plummeted reuters is also reporting that household wealth fell by a record 6.1 trillion dollars in the second quarter of 2022 also so far in 2022 nasdaq has dropped 26 percent the s p 500 18 percent bitcoin plunged 57 percent 30-year fixed mortgage rates went up from just 2.65% in January of 21 to now 6.28% in September of 2022. And inflation went from 1.4% in January of 21 to now officially 8.3%. Hmm. Seems like everybody's suddenly getting poorer, except not the military-industrial complex. No, 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 indeed. From Zero Hedge, new $600 million arms package for Ukraine marks the 21st time U.S. draws from its own stockpiles. So, and this is something that Gonzalo Lira and myself talked about in some detail in our interview here, which is, again, the second half is coming up here shortly. But the United States of America is just ransacking its own military munitions and weapons and supplies and sending them to Ukraine on top of, of course, tens of billions of dollars that nobody knows where that's going. It's all going to Ukraine, the weapons, the munitions, the money, and then it's vanishing into a black hole. Amazing how that works, isn't it? 
All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So I wanted I wanted you to get that little summarization there. Again, the whole, uh, you know, Health Ranger Report or HRR radio program uh, entitled Situation Update September 17th, 2022, the Economic Annihilation of Europe. You'll find it. Um, and uh, it the whole the whole thing's just awfully good. It's really awfully good. Um, they uh, discuss things that a lot of folks, you know, uh, probably don't, you know, go that deep into the analysis. And it, it rang true with me, and uh, I was uh, riveted uh, by listening to the whole thing, so I wanted to re- make a recommendation there. Praise God. I may even toss it up on my website. I don't know. But I'm insanely busy for the next, I don't know, several weeks, and I do appreciate your prayers. Thank you, Jesus, because they're probably the only thing keeping me going. All right. Thank you, Father. All right. The next one up is uh, I'm going to go ahead and hold on. Let me get over to the page so I can read a little bit better. Okay, great. Now, this is by a fellow uh, by the name of Regis Trembley, and um, he lives over, as best as I can tell, I, he, I get the impression he lives in the Donbass, okay, which is that you know big section of land uh, that uh, Russia has taken, not all, but almost all of control of. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and play the very beginning of his, uh, you know, kind of like of his intro and a little bit of uh, Mr. It's, a, it's, an, it's, an, it's an interview with Scott Ritter, who is the um, uh, ex-CIA uh, U.S. Marine Corps specialist who uh, spent his entire career being the guy that the military would bring in whenever they were having problems with Russia. Okay, so he's spent his entire career being, you know, an intelligence officer with a specialization on how do Russians think? How does Putin think? What are they going to do? What aren't they going to do? What, you know, and uh, and he, of course, is uh, completely the opposite of all things. He knows the West is. He can he can see the the, the craziness, the ridiculousness, uh, the you know pu- you know cutting off your own nose despite your face kind of weirdness that's going on. He doesn't put it together biblically. That's fine, but his analysis of the expectations of Russia and what we should anticipate seeing occur. In in probably relatively short notice are probably 100% accurate. My estimation is that he nailed it uh, and that this is very much worth your time to listen to the entire thing. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, for those of you who cannot listen to it and you just don't have the time and all that, I get it. Uh, I will give you a very short, brief summary of what he said because we're not going to have the time to cover the entire thing. But anyway, let's go ahead and listen to, oh, I don't know, maybe five minutes of this. Uh, it'll give you a real good idea of where they're going with it, and I'll be able to uh, kind of tie a ribbon on it for you. Praise God. All right, here we go. Welcome to another edition of Global Conversations. The topic tonight. President Putin's speech about mobilization of another 300,000 reserves. What does it mean? Another point we're going to talk about is Shoigu, uh, the Minister of Defense, for the first time that I'm aware of, revealed the casualties on both sides. And I was surprised at that. We're going to talk about Russians fleeing the draft and the call-up. And we're going to talk about the prisoner swap. And finally, we'll talk about the republics that are holding referendums tomorrow through the 28th to become part of the Russian Federation. To understand what all of this means, 
my guest tonight, Scott Ritter. Scott, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Okay, Scott, let's begin with uh, the big thing that I that I think was uh, pretty significant. I watched the speech. I read it several times. What's your takeaway from Putin's speech about the mobilization of those 300,000 troops? Well, my takeaway is uh, when we last spoke, I said that the uh, the transformation of the Ukrainian army into a NATO proxy army uh, that was waging a war of aggression against Russia would have uh, game-changing consequences. And the game has changed fundamentally. Um, I know we'll talk about the uh, referendum later, but uh, you can't separate the two. Uh, the The Russian decision to undertake partial mobilization when seen in concert with the decision to hold referendum that will more than likely result in the creation of a Novorossiya, a new Russia um, that will become part of the Russian Federation, the Russian, the Russian homeland, um, means that this is no longer a conflict between Ukraine and Russian forces on Ukrainian soil. This is about uh, Russia defending the motherland. And um, that's just a radically different, uh, you know, it's a radically different concept. Uh, and it brings with it um, consequences and uh, decisions that have to be made. Uh, first and foremost, NATO has been put in the horns of a dilemma. On the one hand, um, you know, NATO has heavily committed to uh, supplying Ukraine with military resources, et cetera, to uh, not only defend against Russia, but to carry out offensive actions against uh, Russian forces. We saw that earlier this month in Kharkov. Um, and the Ukrainians continue to believe that with NATO support, they would be able to ca- uh, conduct similar offensive actions designed to um, evict Russia from Kherson, Zaporizhia, Donbass, Crimea. Um, but I think come the end of this month, um, any effort by Ukraine to do that is uh, going to be seen by Russia. And frankly speaking, they're the only vote that counts right now. I know many people in the world, the G7 is probably saying we won't recognize the referendum. Everybody else saying that it doesn't matter. Constitutionally, once the referendum's held uh, and Parliament has acted, the president signed off on it, all the bureaucratic processes, legal processes are completed. Uh, it Novorossiya will become Russia, and uh, Russia will be constitutionally obliged to protect it. Uh, an attack on Novorossiya is an attack on the Russian motherland. And um, if Ukraine seeks to do that, then they will be declaring war on Russia. And if NATO chooses to back Ukraine, NATO will be at war with Russia, and Russia will hold NATO um, account, uh, to, to account. And, you know, Putin has said that, um, you know, when it comes to the survival of the Russian nation, uh, all means will be used at Russia's disposal to protect Russia. And the clear um, insinuation there is nuclear weapons. And Putin said, we're not bluffing. Um, what, is NATO going to find out if Russia's bluffing? Is that really the game that NATO wants to play? I think NATO right now has no clue what to do. The military uh, committee, which is fundamental decision-making body in NATO about military issues. Stoltenberg, the Secretary General who opens his mouth constantly. I think people need to understand that he has no power, literally. He's a bureaucrat. Uh, He manages uh, the bureaucracy, but decision-making isn't his. He makes no decisions. He has no decision-making authority. Uh, The the military committee does. The military committee quickly said, we're not at war. We will continue to 
provide assistance to, uh, to Ukraine, but we're not at war with Russia, and we don't want a war with Russia. Tony Blinken today was very specific when he said the United States will t- continue to provide military assistance to Ukraine for its defensive purposes. So I think you're seeing already NATO, the United States, and other nations starting to back away from the notion of um, using, uh, you know, facilitating uh, offensive capability of by the Ukrainian military, and hopefully that's being communicated to Ukraine as well. But the proof is in the pudding. Um, we'll see what happens. But you know, this this mobilization, uh, 300,000 uh, men. There's some rumor that it might be bigger than 300,000. There's a uh, a lot of uh, activity at the various uh, military reception centers throughout Russia, and some uh, some observers are suggesting that. Um, 300,000 may have been for public consumption, but the reality might be more. We'll see. Um, but the, the, the fact is these, these, these troops being mobilized are going to be used to defend the Russian border uh, and provide uh, you know, rear area security for the territories that are uh, currently occupied by Russian forces that will become probably Russia in the near future. And this will free up um, significant quantities of uh, combat-hardened combat ready forces um, that are currently involved in rear area security uh, you know, roles. Uh, right now, you know, Russia, you know, there's between 180, 210,000 troops, uh, you know, Russian troops. We're not talking about the uh, National Guard. We're not talking about uh, the Nedents militia, the Lugansk militia. We're not talking about the volunteer units. We're not talking about Wagner. We're talking about the Russian military. Um, of those troops, you know, it's estimated that you know only 50, 60,000 of them were actually deployed on the front lines. The rest of them are involved in, uh, you know, shielding the Russian border uh, north of Kharkiv from any potential Ukrainian attack and securing the rear areas in uh, Kherson and Zaporizhia. Uh, once the reservists come in and take control of the border, uh, take control of the, um, the the rear areas, you know, Russia will now be able to literally quadruple its offensive combat capability. That means that now doctrine comes into play. You know, we've we've talked. Uh, you know, I, I I personally believe that when Russia started this uh, conflict with Ukraine, uh, that they were going to go in doctrinally. We've had this discussion, and I I believe that had they employed their doctrine with the full combat potential available to it, they would have rolled through the Ukrainian military like a hot knife through butter. Um, as capable as Ukrainians are, they wouldn't stand a chance. But Russia came in soft. They came in with a special military operation. They literally tied their hands behind their backs. Um, and this is the end result. Six months later, uh, you know, Russia is now, you know, having destroyed the Ukrainian military, is now facing a NATO military, manned by Ukrainians, but it's a NATO military uh, that has shown a proclivity for offensive action. Um, and Russia didn't have the resources uh, sufficient to this new task, this new reality. They now will, and doctrine will come into play, and Ukraine's about to get a lesson in what Russian military doctrine when effectively employed by troops organized, equipped, and trained to implement it, um, hits them head on. All right. <clears throat> Praise God. So anyway, uh, so regarding the 300K troops that are being mobilized, um, there, you know, there's rumors. Of course, the West is the, the, the king of lies. And so what you'll see all over the place, you know, if you're reading anything that's uh, sanctioned by the West and, 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 and the narrative, is that they've got, uh, you know, people fleeing the draft. Well, big deal. I mean, there isn't any time in the history of the world uh, that I'm aware of um, uh, that there was a call-up or, you know, uh, mobilization of troops, uh, conscript, whatever you want to call 
call it, draft, uh, that uh, people didn't uh, flee, you know, um, for various reasons. Um, and so, you know, that that's always going to be a dynamic. There are always a multitude of different people's beliefs. Some people in any given country, some, some of them like the king, some of them like the queen, some of them hate the king, some of them hate the queen. You know what I mean? It's just so that that human dynamic is always going to exist in every country. And evidently, the numbers are being way overstated, of course, to support the narrative and the lie that, oh, Russia's running for their lives. Nobody wants to be in the war, all that kind of stuff. It's that is absolutely the opposite of what is that it, it, what is in play right now. What is in play is that they are basically looking for volunteers, which they're getting way more than they even imagined that they did. Now, you have to understand that to Russia, to, you know, the Russian Federation, the Russian, uh, the, the leadership, uh, I don't want to just single out Putin because there's more people behind it than just him. He's just, you know, the president. But here's the thing. The the um, folks, 300,000. Think about that. 300,000. These are essentially volunteers that are being called up. And they're already talking about that being a much more substantial number. So it could be as many as 500,000. That'd be half a million troops. Did you know that Russia has 25 million reservists at the ready? Now, they're not being called up yet, but they have 25 million reservists all combat ready, fully trained, equipment at, you know in storage, ready to go at the, you know at literally uh, the beck and call of a single you know order. All right, so you know you know we we tend to dwell on the three hundred thousand number and and maybe it's going to be a little bit bigger and and sure sounds like it is, but and that should be more than enough for them to as Mr. Ritter put it uh, cut through the Ukraine like a hot knife. And later on in the conversation, he even hypothesizes he explains uh, beyond any shadow of a doubt he is absolutely convinced that Odessa will be taken. Uh, because anything they need to wrap, they got to get full control of everything and anything that is part of the Ukraine that has been been historically attacked uh, uh, since uh, you know going all the way back to 2014. So uh, that includes uh, you know not only the Donbass area, which they have right now pretty pretty heavily under control, but um, uh, you know uh, it, it includes Odessa. So they are going to go in and and take Odessa as well, and then they're going to lock it down. See the the thing about this this um, you heard what Ritter said. Um, once they do these referendums, it doesn't really matter that the United Nations doesn't recognize them. It doesn't matter that this person or that person or this president or that president doesn't, re- doesn't you know, recognize the referendums. What matters is that to Russia, those re- referendums are like, it's like constitution. So once those people make their votes, which are in the process of closing up right now, they got a couple of more days left. Once that's done, and they've all said, yes, we want to be taken care of by Russia. We want to become part of Russia, the Russian Federation, Russian nationalism. Okay, it's done. Now, when the Ukraine lobs a mortar shell over into the Donbass region, it's the same thing as launching that same mortar shell directly into Moscow. You understand? It, that's why Ritter was so, you know, uh, uh, so uh, strong in his choice of words in regard to how significant these actions are when they're put together and looked at as a strategy change. This is all the preliminary things. These are all the preliminary things that need to happen 
okay, for Russia to position themselves legally. Now, granted, the, the rest of the world doesn't have to acknowledge them. They're already lying out of they, they've been lying since day one about everything. Okay, so you know the stuff that we're going to hear on CNN and Fox or whatever the case is, you know, it doesn't matter because it's all a bunch of lies. All right, and the only way you're ever going to find out what's really going on is to go out and listen to the people that are there and that are experienced, that, that understand the history, that understand, you know, have the military training uh, and all that other stuff to be able to appropriately analyze it and are not playing ball with the, you know, lying West narrative. Okay, and their jobs aren't, you know. They, anyway, so um, it's it's you know it's it's they, somebody had brought up the prisoner swap, and and uh, you know the, the one fellow, um, you know, uh, Trembley or whatever, had felt that some of the people in Donbass thought that the prisoner swap was a bad thing, and Ritter very quickly and accurately said, no, they need to grow up. Okay, the problem was there were a couple of Nazis that uh, that got released, and Ritter made it clear. He said, look, they're getting ready to go to war. Okay, Putin is in charge of taking care of the mothers and the uncles and the aunts and the, and the family members of the Russian military that are going to be going in to fight for the people in Donbass. And part of that is being wise, being smarter than, uh, you know, it's not about one individual that they have a beef against. It's about, uh, you know, getting the, the, by and large, the vast majority of Russia and all the other countries that make up the Russian Federation, Chechnya, the whole deal, the, whole, the bunches, bunches and bunches. Putin needs to get that all that lined up, and that's exactly what he is doing, and that's why he's making some of these moves. So if you look at it, I, I use this uh, the terminology all the time to try to help people understand stuff, and it, it, maybe it works for you, maybe it doesn't. But there's a micro way of looking at things, and then there's a macro way of looking at things. When you look at things from the big picture, you are always going to have a better understanding of all the different players that are involved and why things are happening. When you look at them emotionally in a 50-mile radius of where you're sitting, you're not going to see the big picture, and you're going to be like, well, they shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done that. Rah, 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 rah. This is a terrible thing. Uh, and anyway, so I do recommend you taking the time um, to listen to this particular video if, if, you, know, if you can, uh, and it's entitled – it's on BitChute, and um, uh, it looks like the, ch the channel on BitChute is spelled T R E M. R-E-G-I, T-R-E-M-R-E-G-I, and the title is Russian Mobilization-Prisoner-Exchange-Russians Fleeing the Call-Up. Okay, so basically every concern that uh, this Trimbley fellow brought up uh, from the, you know, from the viewpoint of those who are living in the Donbass and have been, you know, dealing with this Nazi stuff for a long time, uh, Ritter was able to eloquently and accurately explain strategically why these things are being allowed to happen, are being uh, 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 encouraged to happen, and what we have queued up next. And what we have queued up next, evidently, is there is going to be a, well, as Ritter put it, uh, we're going to see doctrinal Russian warfare uh, coming very, very soon. Once they get everybody where, positioned where they need them to be, once they bring the Donbass and all the different regions uh, you know, under the Russian Federation legally on their end, once that's all accomplished, it's game on. 
As a matter of fact, at one point, Ritter said, I wouldn't even be surprised if at that point, uh, you know, once this gets under, you know, once they go into full doctrinal warfare against NATO, which is essentially what they is going to happen. Once that occurs, they're going to mow over the Ukraine at extremely high speed. It's not going to be pretty. And um, uh, and uh, and and Ritter had commented while he didn't see it as being highly likely, he did say it is quite possible, uh, all things considered, that Russia might just overrun the entire Ukraine and just take full control of the of the whole land, and it will all become part of the Russian Federation. Anyway, which, by the way, I you know about for what it's worth, about when this all started about six months, seven months ago, give or take, um, I had even said to uh, my friend over in Odessa, I said to her, you know what, if, if Russia has any intention of pulling out of any of these places, the Nazis are just going to come back and start murdering all the Russian-speaking people again. If they don't stay there as a police force and 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 get and, and just con- continuously take out these Nazis, these Azov Battalion Nazis, uh, these you know Bandera entities, the, you know, it, then it's it, it's never going to end. It's never going to end. Anyway, praise God, thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's go ahead and run through the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? <laughs> It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. This is disturbing. Game over. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hold on a second. Just got this new keyboard. I really like it, too. It's just I got to get a little bit used to it. All right, praise Jesus. All right, next one up. NATO says that China's role in the Ukraine war is a challenge to the alliance. <laughs> so there you have a little bit of support uh, for essentially what Scott Ritter was saying in regard to, you know, you got like he was pointing out that the head guy for the North, North you know, the North Atlantic Tra- Treaty Organization, NATO, uh, you know, is out there, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, it's just it's absolutely meaningless dribble. And um, the actual people who do have control of NATO are like, uh, uh-uh, uh, nothing doing. We don't want that. Uh, you know, so, so you know, they're we'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen. But if my hunch is correct, they're not going to be able to control the Azov battalion. They're not going to be able to control the bandera Nazi wearing entities of darkness that want to slaughter people just because, because, okay. Um, you know, it, 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 the mortar shells are going to fly. The, uh, you know, the cannon, you know, the mobile cannon systems that they have out there, you know, the artillery, it's, they're still going to shoot. And it's going to land into Donbass. It's going to be part of the Russian Federation. And and my, I, I'm with Ritter. I think they're going to run over. They're going to drive right over the top of the Ukraine and call and just you know be done with it. All right, praise God. So NATO's in for a big surprise. And and there and you know to, to Ritter's point and everybody else's point, it didn't paying any attention. The Antichrist and the shape-shifting Draco reptilian that calls itself Biden, the dribbling entity that it is, uh, you know, they are doing this on purpose. There's no question about it. They're doing it under the guise of supporting the Ukraine, which is absolutely ridiculous, and anybody who has half a brain would understand that this is a satanic play to bring in the Great Tribulation. They're, 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 and they're being exceedingly successful at it. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. 
Grovenet Daily reports FBI raids home of Catholic pro-life speaker, author with gun, drawn as his terrified children watch. A well-known pro-life sidewalk counselor and father of seven was the latest victim of the United States Department of Justice SWAT raid and arrest for supposedly uh, uh, for supposedly the FACE Act, F-A-C-E Act violations uh, at his rural home, home with his children looking on screaming. All right, so uh, you know the uh, all these uh, tactical raids of people's houses and things like that are they're expanding. Okay, they're not just doing January sixth stuff now; they're expanding it beyond that. All right, so um, you know who knows? Maybe there will be you know some black choppers landing in my <laughs> in my cul-de-sac. You never really know. I mean, uh, way things are right. Uh, hold, hold on a second. Shh, be quiet, Doc. Get under your desks. Don't let them see you. Turn off the lights. Okay, they went away. Whew. That was a close one. All right, next one up. Thousands of Italian, Italian, Italian firms are on the brink of closure. According to the media, small and medium-sized businesses cannot cope with the soaring energy bills. Uh, it says over 100,000 businesses in Italy are in danger of closing down do, uh, because of these soaring energy bills. And you know, folks, when you look at the whole big picture again, macro, macro would be energy bill surge. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, micro would be ener- energy bill surge. Macro would be everything else surging. <laughs> okay. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And it's heading our way, folks. It's heading our way. That just you can look at it as like, just look at Europe as kind of like this financial super cult, you know, like Yellowstone, you know, except it's like the Yellowstone epicenter of global uh, collapse. All right. Whatever financial tsunami occurs over in Europe. Brace yourself. It's heading its way. As a matter of fact, I, you know, well, you heard what Mike Adams was saying, and, and that's, you know, that's like probably just like 1% of what's really going on. All right, next one up. Fire breaks out at the world's biggest produce market in Paris. And, boy, this is a giant fire. You should see the smoke coming up off this thing from a photograph that was taken way back, uh, way, 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 way. It looks like about mm, 10, 15, maybe 10 miles away. Uh, what kind of a fire was that? A produce market? What's burning? <laughs> That's what I ask. My goodness. What did they have a bunch of, uh, I don't know, maybe they had a whole bunch of uh, Polish Bandera fans running through uh, the, the the Paris market with, uh, you know, uh, gasoline or something. I don't know. But, boy, this is a humongous fire for a produce market. As far as I know, if you try to light any produce, it doesn't burn. Okay, so I don't know what's going on there, but it's just it's it, it's tantamount to the hundreds of um, food processing facilities that have been burned to the ground. Of course, they're being burned to the ground while there is a you know building material supply shortage, so they can't rebuild them. So that'll make the number two. I'm sorry, uh, uh, there is actually another report coming up, but there now we're dealing with two refineries that have been taken offline here in the United States. And again, if they keep on burning them down and exploding them and setting off, you know, and doing what they're doing, it's sabotage, folks. It's, 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 it's a World Economic Forum, Nazi, Klaus Schwab, sabotage, you know, George Soros, that whole thing. All right. And, and they're doing it little by little by little by little, but, it's, it, but it never stops. That's the thing. They don't take a rest. It's continuous. Bam, bam, bam. And, and, you know, if they continue at the rate of speed, what about the – remember the report on the uh, – it was originally 10,000 head of cattle. Uh, 
I think it was in Texas. Uh, and then uh, I had read some of the, the Twitter feeds that were coming from the actual farmers, the actual ranchers that those 10,000 head of cattle uh, belonged to. And evidently a person on Twitter, that's one of the things I like about Twitter, because you want to you get the inside story. So you want to hear what the people say that are on site. You don't want to hear the narrative from, you know, uh, uh, some CNN anchor or whatever. That, that's going to be altered all, you know, completely untrustworthy. So anyway, it uh, turns out that the farmer was like, no, this had nothing to do with heat. Remember that? Nothing to do with heat. So what could it be? poisoning. They are killing the cattle. And it turned out it wasn't just 10,000. As I recall, I believe the final count was over 100,000 head of cattle were slaughtered. Had nothing to do with the heat. People on the spot knew it as a fact. They just had not figured out what killed the cattle yet, but they knew it wasn't heat. They and you could tell that they believed that it was intentional. It was sabotage. It was slaughter. All right. So these are the kinds of things that are happening exponentially across all the world right now, which, by the way, is jettisoning us collectively as the body of Jesus Christ toward the end of the third seal and also ultimately toward the end of the second seal, at which time we can expect uh, a ramping up of the fourth seal, which is World War III. Okay. So we've got the red horse or the red army that's fully armed with by God with a sword to go in and start killing. Okay, that's your second seal. And then we've got all these other things that are leading to the global financial collapse. And as that happens, anybody who's a, 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 a researcher of history understands that it was pretty much a global, or, or I'm sorry, it was pretty much some type of massive financial collapse that always precedes a world war. Weimar Republic, look it up. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. Breitbart News reports that videos show audience booing Nancy Pelosi at the New York City Music Festival. The welcome was anything but warm for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Saturday. And then now there's a bunch of blah, blah, blah that she's going to retire. She's too full of herself. My prediction is she ain't going to retire. I see the reports out there. But for every and I'm using DuckDuckGo. So I'm not I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid coming out of, you know, the Google Google Goblin squad. OK, and I and, and I'm telling you, it's like a one for one. You know, one one article will say that Pelosi is definitely not going to retire. Another one will say that he, she definitely is. Another one will say definitely not. Definitely is. Definitely not. Definitely is. Definitely not. I it, look, man, you know, when does. When have we ever seen a narcissistic, shape-shifting entity from the bowels of hell ever stop trying to maintain a position of power? I mean, just look, look at uh, – anyway, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on. Oh, and by the way, I want to tip my hat. I don't know if I still have a copy of that. Let me see if I can play this while I'm at it. I talked to Karina. Uh, she's really nice. Um, she's going to be coming on in, in about – We'll run over time a little bit on the news, uh, Karina, so hang in there for me. You'll have plenty of time, well over an hour. Uh, and I just want to see if I can find this. I sent this. Oh, here it is. Okay. So, all right. So I'm going to play this for you. What people have been doing is uh, since there's been a lot of 
public and publicity, uh, public videos uh, and uh, parts of the uh, Sandy Hook trial that Alex Jones is going through up in Connecticut right now. I have a lot of respect for that guy. I'm telling you, I have a lot of respect for that guy. And um, and no, he did go a little bit too far with the whole Sandy Hook. Had to, but no, crisis. Now, now see, he's in a, he's backed into a corner because they're they're railroading him, just like over the January 6th thing. Everybody's being railroaded over that. Well, they're railroading him over that whole Sandy Hook thing. Now, where where he went a little bit wrong was calling the whole thing fake. The problem is he. He's grown up now a little bit, quite a bit more, and is much more smarter than he was back during the early days of Sandy Hook, which was a long, long time ago. Um, and he made the mistake of saying that it was, you know, completely fake. Well, that's never how it worked. January 6th was not completely fake, but it was full of crisis actors. It was an instigated event, complete with facial recognition systems, mind control towers, and everything else under the sun. The whole thing was a total setup. There were even people, uh, you know, just regular, you know, mama, ma and pa kettle standing outside uh, saying, these people are actors, these people are actors. I have all that on video. I have it all on video. Okay, but that's you got to remember they're never going to it's never going to be just one big faked event with crisis actors. That's not how they do it. They instigate, they increase the magnitude, they increase the chaos, they increase the ugly, they increase the everything, all the negativity, all the things by adding in the crisis actors. That was the same thing with Charlie Hebdo. Remember Charlie Hebdo? Huh? How many people have forgotten about Charlie Hebdo? Yeah, I thought so. All right, praise God. And that, and I could just rattle on. I mean, what, you know, what about the uh, the the, uh, um, uh, the, the what you call it club? I mean, this is the list just goes on and on. What about San Bernardino for crying out loud, folks? Please, San Bernardino. If you got on YouTube, which most people don't do because they're too busy doing whatever else, but right after the shootings take place, you get on the and then you start scooping down the videos of the people that were standing right there while the massacre was happening. And they'll tell you, I saw four large black Tahoes pull out with paramilitary men loaded to the, you know, uh, armed to the hilt. Okay, they came running out of the building, they got in and they drove away. But the thing is that the police and all of these entities that are involved in lying to us about and giving us some false fake narrative that a couple of hillbillies from, you know, Canada, uh, Kansas, uh, who had just gotten a job at San Bernardino's local police department, uh, just so, uh, you know, coincidentally stumbled across the two patsies that, that, that they held up as the ones who committed the crime. Two hours after the crime was committed. In two hours, they could have driven, you know, who knows how far away. States away. States away. In another state. But no, ho dee do do the people that they strung up as patsies just happened to be driving down the main street two full hours after the shooting in San Bernardino. And after the myriad of testimonies of people who saw the paramilitary men coming out and getting into the Tahoes. Oh, well. <sighs> okay, so anyway, next one up. North Korea tests ballistic missiles, according to Seoul. So, okay, so to give you the summarization of this, really, you can read several different articles on it. But basically, the bottom line is um, North Korea is increasing their stature, their preparation for World War III, their readiness for nuclear – for use of nuclear weapons – and in doing so, they are turning up the volume in a big, big way. So they're no longer just lobbying, you know, relatively 
uh, I, I don't want to say unpowerful, but you know, not, not they're they're pulling out the big guns. Let's just put it that way. They're pulling out the big guns, and they're also saying things openly that they didn't used to say before. Like the, like just recently, there was an article about Kim Jong Un, and some, you know, Blinken or somebody made a comment publicly about North Korea, and 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 uh, Kim Jong Un just came out publicly and said, "United States, shut up." Okay. Now that's a pretty bold thing to say, especially when you're whipping out some really big. Uh, these do look like they could be ICBMs. So I don't know. Are they? We don't know. Are they big enough to be? They certainly are. Are they fully tested for that capability? Probably not. We don't know. But do we want to find out? And did they create them themselves or did they get help from China? Remember the, the original Korean War, which never ended, by the way. Most people think that the Korean War in the 1950s was over, and it's been over all these years. Well, guess what? You are W-R-O-N-G wrong. It has never ended. They simply had a ceasefire, and they have a demilitarized zone. They have. I, I, was, I was confronted. When I was over in Pusan going shopping with, with this young lady called Chin Hei, that was her name, um, uh, we were I, sitting in the back of a taxi cab, and we came right up on the North Korean. Korean um, border. And, uh, you know, M-16s came in into the windows. Okay, so it's kind of freaking me out a little bit. And they were just like, just remain calm. They like American Navy, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and we got out of there and everything was cool. But let me tell you something. They take that stuff deadly serious. Next one up. So the war is still on. All we're, This is just an extended ceasefire. Next one up. Russia Today reports European Union farmers warn of food shortages, according to Reuters. And if this isn't a report that comes out every other day, I don't know what is. And that's, you know, and, and, and it's, it's a cascading domino effect. It's like it's almost like once you start it forward, it's more like, you know, the, the best analogy I can think of is like it's more like a, um, you know, like a snowball effect. You know, a tiny little snowball at the top of a really big mountain. And then not only do you have like a landslide come down with it and, and you know, and, and uh, but but the it, there's seemingly no limit to the magnitude of the impact once that giant ball of snow starts to turn into this, you know, this and start steamrolling over everything at the bottom of the uh, – and that's what we got going on here. It's, it's, it's like a domino effect, but the domino effect is like the dominoes are getting bigger and more dangerous as they continue to fall further down. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Okay, German firewood prices skyrocket, according to the data, and why would we think anything other than that, especially since we've known for over 30 days that the Germans are freaking out about not being able to heat their homes and everything else under the sun, so they are now lining up to get not only coal, but also to get as much wood as they possibly can, because, well, fortunately for some of them, they have some wood-burning stoves that they'll be able to keep themselves alive with. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Voters divided amidst intense fight for Congress. I'm sorry, control of Congress, poll finds. Now, anybody's surprised? Here's the thing that made me feel kind of sad. I don't know. It's kind of weird because, you know, I don't really care. I mean, really, if, 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 if I was at Burger King and I wanted to have it my way, okay, uh, you know, I would say, like, let the games begin. I mean, if, we're, if, if, if you know you're already going to have to go through these things, like Jesus already told us we were going to have to go through them, we know that we're going to have to go through them. We already know what's in the Bible. We know it's coming, coming this way. You add the prophecies, the dreams, the visions, all the other supporting information from the throne room of God, and we know how big the bag of ugly is and what's, what's you know, buried inside the bag. 
Now, we might not know whether or not we're going to be here for all of those things. I suspect not. Uh, that is, if we make the barley harvest, many are called, few are chosen. Praise God, and let's pray every day that we are chosen. But um, uh, let me tell you something, folks. Uh, you know, th- things are happening in parallel. They're happening fast. Um, and, and, you know, we, we – we... Donald Trump. And what about all the – episode that was on that Simpsons episode had Donald Trump in a, in a casket for crying out loud. I mean, you know, really, there's just no end to it. So do we have to wait to 2024 for that? Is it going to happen before 2024? What's going to happen with Russia? All these things might, might all start to come down at one time. I don't know. Well, just going to have to wait and see. But it really looks to me, look, it looks to me like we're getting awfully, awfully, awfully close. I mean, really, all we need is the, the revealing of the Antichrist on a global level. And what does that exactly mean? I don't know. Do I think that Obama's going to come out and, uh, you know, turn into the incredible balk and like, like grow to be like 40 feet tall and his eyes are going to turn bright red and Lucifer's going to go, I am now controlling the world. I don't know what it means to reveal the Antichrist. I mean, you could make the argument that to any of us who've been paying attention for any amount of time, that the Antichrist has already been revealed. But, that, but you got to think that's a micro way of thinking. Think of it macro. When it says when when the, the when the things that are lined up in you know the, the, the in Second Thessalonians chapter two, basically I mean you you know power signs lying wonders da 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 da. At the end of the day, when you shake it all out, it really just says two things: the rapture is not going to happen until a the antichrist is revealed and b the aliens arrive. It's just that simple, okay? But the problem is we don't know when. All right, praise Jesus, hallelujah, thank you, Father. Next one up. Tropical Storm Ian, a formidable hurricane threat to Florida, Cuba, Cuba, and the Cayman Islands. Oh, no. Keeping my eye on this one, I'm very happy to see that the trajectory of the models are showing it going to the west now. Originally, it was showing it being a dead uh, spot on direct hit on Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is where the Golden GIB studios are located, and the infrastructure of Tampa Bay has not been upgraded holistically since, well, 1922. And back in 1922, they were just, you know, chopping down trees and throwing up telephone poles. So you can imagine what we got down here. And right now, all we need is about a 65-mile-an-hour gust of wind for my power to go out. That's for sure. I, I, the substation that handles my, um, my uh, subdivision, you know, I'm pretty sure they got squirrels or something. Maybe they got those Canadian beavers over there, you know, kind of like, welcome to Canada, welcome to Canada, you know, running real fast in, the, in, in, in these wheels, you know, because I, all I can tell you is that one little decent-sized gust of wind, and bam, my power goes right out. And then I look on the power outage map, and I'm like, well, doggone it. The rest of the entire city's up and running. How come I'm in the dark? And it happens all the time. I see it on the map, and I'm like, okay, well, obviously, the Welcome to Canada Beavers are what's keeping my lights on. Praise God for them. All right, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. All right. Um, Iran unveils a missile it says can strike all of the Middle East and even parts of Europe. 
And by the way, don't forget, over the last, what, year, uh, they've launched at least two, possibly a lot more, um, satellites for the sole purpose of guiding missiles to their target. And they also appear to be, according to some people's testimonies, uh, the largest, they have more drones, dangerous missile launching drones than evidently any other country out there. As a matter of fact, there was some um, rumblings going on about Iran uh, selling like bunches and bunches and bunches and bunches and bunches of drones to Russia to give them a hand with, uh, you know, the... you know, the stuff that they're dealing with. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And again, uh, like I said about Pelosi resigning, fact check, Nancy Pelosi not resigning from Congress. Every time I see the word fact check, I think, well, that's a lie. Uh, Next one comes up. Democrats are planning for Pelosi's expected exit from House leadership. Wow, that's interesting. And that's actually coming from one of the lying media sources. So makes you scratch your head and say, hmm, could that be? I personally, my own personal experience is whenever one of these Draco reptilians gets power, they're so narcissistic, they, they never leave, you know, unless our Heavenly Father takes them out. All right, next one up. Russia calls out Western elites at the United Nations. So get this. Um, I love this. So basically, Russia, nobody ever listens. That's the thing. Nobody ever listens. Oh, they're all full of you. And it's just it's bunk. But here we got a clear case <laughs> where Lavrov goes right in front of the United Nations, and he comes right out and calls us, you know, for lack of a better term, a spade a spade, right? Um, and, um, and, and, and he tells them exactly what's going on. He blows the whistle. He basically echoes what Alex Jones put inside of his, um, uh, his book, you know, The Great Reset. All right. And by the way, okay, hold on just a second. Cancel. 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 Doggone robots. They never listen to you. Okay. So anyway, I wanted to play this for you before I forget real quick. This is uh, a snippet of Alex Jones responding to the reprehensively inept legal counsel that is attacking him at the Sandy Hook deal. It's just that they're just trying to wipe them out in the civil court. But anyway, it's it's absolutely ridiculous, but you got to hear this. So these, by the way, these little snippets are showing up all over the place, all over the place. And they're getting a lot, millions and millions of listens. All right. This is a point during the Sandy Hook trial where they, uh, the inept uh, legal entity um, uh, basically says to Jones, you know, so I hear that you're telling everybody that there are government officials that are pedophiles and, and all this other stuff, trying to, you know, blow his credibility and make him, you know, that kind of thing. Well, listen to this. All right. So here's a little snippet of it. And by the way, the, all the cheering and stuff at the end, that, that was added in. That was edited in from a Joe Rogan event at a sporting event. But it's just so funny. I mean, really, because I, I got to hand it to him. He's, wor- he's under unbelievable pressure. And his response was perfect. Here it is. Here it comes. Wait. Bob, on your show, is your allegation, one of the things you've been talking about on your show, is your allegation that government officials are aiding in pedophilia, child trafficking, and the grooming of children, right? Well, you mean like what Jeffrey Epstein did with the Clintons? Thank <laughs> you. 
things you've been talking about hear it again. on your show is your allegation that government officials are aiding in pedophilia, <laughs> child trafficking, and the grooming of children, right? What do you mean like what Jeffrey Epstein did with the Clintons? Couldn't resist. <laughs> Sometimes on the weekends when I get a little bit depressed, I like um, I'll just I'll have those queued up and I'll just watch them and laugh. <laughs> anyway, and of course, you know, Glenn. Wait a minute, we got Glenn Beck on line three. He's got something to say, uh, and you know how he is. He pretty much nails it every single time. So let's go ahead and pick up Glenn Beck on the blue phone line three. Here we go. Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. Um. Thank you, Mr. Beck. And boy, are you right. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. And again, uh, they're just talking about a two-state solution, but now it's Trudeau, Biden, evil entity, seeding, sick, twisted. NASA aiming the James Webb at, uh, stair- uh, at an asteroid as the DART. That's the, um, for defense of Earth, they're going to try to, you know, send a spaceship against the asteroid. What a waste of time. What a, that is going to be such a I want to watch it just so I can laugh. Anyway, next one up. Death toll from Ebola rises to 11 in Uganda. So it may not sound so bad, but usually when it hits 11, then it goes to 20, then it's 25, then it's 30, then it's 50, and then people start flying on airplanes to different parts of the world, and next thing you know, you have a global you know, Ebola thing going on. All right, so anyway, as you might guess, um, there is you know, uh, very, very smart uh, official people coming out and saying, Putin is not you know, bluffing about using nuclear – no, he isn't. <laughs> He's not bluffing at all. He blesses that. Never mind. But anyway, on that note, let's go ahead and bring on Sister Katrina. Praise God. Here we go. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Sister Katrina, are you there? Yes. Yes. What a, wow. <laughs> Woo. The trumpet. It's amazing what a cup of coffee at the right time of the day can do, huh? How about that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But it's 8 o'clock. Uh, it's 8 o'clock your time. It's 7 o'clock my time. So. Uh, yep. And plus, <laughs> yeah, plus you all you have all the way to... Uh, 8.30 Eastern Time, 7.30 Central Time, uh, you know, to, to share. Um, you know, we typically, you know, so anyway, you got uh, one hour and like 15, 16, 17 minutes available to share your testimony however you see fit. Also, as we spoke a little bit earlier today, um, you know, th- this is, I would I would submit, you know, I could be wrong and I know that. But I would submit in my personal sanctified opinion that this audience is the most advanced um, thinkers in the entire kingdom of Jesus Christ. Uh, and the, the reason why I say that is because we cover all the topics that, well, <laughs> nobody else will cover. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. so, um, so you don't have to be concerned in any sense of the word about what, what you feel led to share. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and grab my you know, virtual folding folding chair and go back and sit mm-hmm. behind the 
virtual podium that you're going to stand as you <laughs> talk to the electronic global ecclesia uh, freely and share your entire testimony as the Lord leads. All right? Sound good? Glory to God. Yes. Thank you so much for inviting me. I definitely always um, and an honor for um, me sharing God's testimony. It's really many says your testimony. I said, no, this is what God did in my life, really. Um, and I, so thank you for giving me the opportunity to really spread the, the testimony that really um, has completely changed me. In a blink of an eye, because it was definitely all in a blink of an eye. And, um, well, I guess I'll start from who I was uh, before this happened in 2020, May 10th, to be exact, May 10th, 2020. Um, I'm from Colombia originally, and um, I came at age 16 um, with my stepmother and my father. Um, once we came here, um, just to kind of give you a little bit of background of my childhood back in Colombia. It was not easy. I was not raised by my father or my mother. I was raised by everybody, uh, including the neighbors. <laughs> this is uh, what basically in Colombia, um, as a third world country that is um, children really are welcome in every home. It doesn't, you don't see that nowadays, unfortunately, but um, I was raised by my cousins and my, my aunts, my uncles my neighbors, like I said, and I wasn't really, I, I was really mostly anything was really rejected, not really wanted, and also felt it, but no matter what, I always was um, a child that was seeking a lot of love and attention and compassion for people. Um, I never, uh, I, could, I cannot say that I did not have people that love me. I believe that some people love me better in their own way. Um, but as a child, when you when you're so young, you 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 really needing the the warmth love of your mother and the love of the warmth of your father, and I can really never tell you that I stayed long enough in homes where I could be attached to people. Um, it was painful every time they will drop me off to the next home. Uh, at times, I will be lied to, oh, well, let's go visit Thea, you know, and I will be dropped off and never went back to where I was. And so I started as I was growing older and older, I just started becoming more rebellious. Obviously, as a child, you know, you don't feel loved and you seek attention now that I understand all this. And nobody really wanted me. Um, I was just really sad and, and happy at the same time. It was really a lot of missed emotions. Well, as, as coming here to the United States, we needed permission for my birth mother to be given to my father to bring me to the United States. So he started doing a search and found her um, at 16. I am mopping the floor. My father and my stepmother went out. And I was alone. And um, this lady in Colombia, the people that you see here in the highways, asking for money in Colombia is the opposite. They call actually homes, you know, they go to homes and homes and knocking on your door asking for food and money. So when this woman comes into my door and the window, she knocks and she says, hi. And I, my first reaction as the way she was dressed and she looked and she had a baby just in diapers. Um, I said, I'm sorry, we don't have any, I don't have any money. My parents aren't here. And she said, no, it's me, Karina, your mother. And I um, 
didn't have no emotions then. All I could just stare at her, and my father kept saying, open the door, so I opened the door, and I immediately hugged her. Um, I didn't care how she looked at that time, but I'm just giving you a description of how she looked. And I noticed that the baby didn't have any shirt or anything, and I just saw me um, in her hands. And um, I ran to my closet, and I started giving her everything I had, uh, basically. And my father is like, we don't have enough money to buy your clothes, so why are you giving her all the clothes? And she, at that time, I was wearing clothes of everybody's size because people would donate clothes to me, too. And... Um, she um, she was so sweet at that moment and, and tried to explain to me why she was not with me. And her story was different from my father's story. So there's the start, a lot of uh, confusion into the relationship that I had with my, my father at that time. We had just, I had just moved in on my father, like maybe six months Later, that's when I met my mother. So we didn't, we, I did not know well my father, but I knew he was my dad. He was trying really his best to try to gain um, my relationship with him. And um, finally, we came to the United States. I have left my, my birth mother behind. I, and I just started having emotions about learning about her story and, and, and how different it was from my father. So I, I started having doubts about her, her lying to me, who is lying here. So all those, that was a new emotions into my heart. And my, my mother told me that she had 11 kids at that time when I met her besides me. So I was the oldest and I had 11 brothers and sisters. And so I started having that jealousy you know, why she had all these kids and not me, kind of question all this. So I brought into the United States anger, jealousy, you name it, all these new emotions. And as I go to the school, my father put me in school, ninth grade, I will never forget that. Um, I come back home and look outside, and my, my stepmother, my little brother and sister were not here because I have a brother and sister through, you know, from my father and stepmother. And I asked my grandmother and my aunt where with my, my where are my parents? And they said, well, they left you. They went to New York. And here we go again. Um, start all over the dropping off and leaving me behind. And so um, I quit school. I told my aunt and my grandmother I was not going to go to school because I didn't understand English. I didn't. I didn't. I was in a new country. I. I was suffering for the friendships that I had just built with those six months or, or eight months that I was with my mom and my stepmom and my father. And, um, wow, I'm being more detailed with you. I don't know why. And so, um, I, um, start being more rebellious, more new emotions, more, I hated everything. I hated being in the United States. I hated everything. I just hated everything. And um, I started working for my aunt. I got the less of the minimum wage. I just co could cover barely my personal stuff. And I started having boyfriends, got pregnant at age, around age 19, I got pregnant. And at this point, many would say, well, what kind of religion do you have? Were, you know, doing what, what, what about God? 
in this moment, I just could say I came as Catholic, raised being Catholic the whole time. And when I came to the United States, it was very hard for me to understand the language. So I was not able to find a church that, um, that would speak the language in the way we speak the language. Because when I went, when I came from Colombia, we went to far, uh, far, you know, like San Juan and Harlingen area. And I they speak different dialect of Spanish. I mean, I do understand it, but the, you know, the Tex-Mex was kind of confusing to me. And uh, there were so many excuses, to be honest. There was nobody to take me, um, nothing. There was nothing for me to continue with my, with that religion. So got pregnant. Um, I was leaving then with a cousin because I was really bad leaving on my, on my aunt that pretty much kicked out there and moved to my cousin's. And she was having a relationship at that time with the men that I had a business. I started working. That's when my whole career of makeup artist started. They were selling natural products and um, got pregnant. And she said, you know, you are to either have an abortion and live with me and continue to work with me for me or at, at the business, or you are to move, leave, but you can't take anything because all you have really is your clothes. You can't take nothing. You can't take the bed. You can take it. Just make it very clear. And so I was literally debating this. I called my father and he got very upset, very disappointed at me. I called my stepmother also. And they said, we can't, we can't help you. Well, I ended up proceeding with a, with abortion and, and everything started from there the destruction of my life basically i always now tell people that was the one big door i opened for the rest of the destruction in my entire life um coming from from colombia um had the abortion uh, stayed at my, my cousin and moved out um, got married again and didn't work out and started finding jobs here and there and became just uh, basically this 21, 22, 23, just all, all the way up. This person just seeking attention, having a lot of relationships, boyfriends here, boyfriends there. And um, it's, it, it just got worse and worse for me. Many jobs, of course. Um, I ended up actually have finding a stability and, and, the makeup artist, uh, as a makeup artist industry, I did makeup for TV, makeup for some of the, some of the elite, you know, famous people as well, did actually, um, did a local TV station here, and I had a statement talking about makeup, I was a, then a fashion stylist, I was a model as well, I did a lot of modeling for swimsuit companies, I became uh, I ended up doing a pageant and it became Miss International for a while back ago. So I was like really in this, what we call in Spanish, parandula. And I always wanted to become famous and, you know, uh, wanted people to really validate who I was at that time. I was into makeup. I was into uh, sexy clothes. I was into my body, my hair. And I was always, always all, uh, you know, in fashion you name it, I was on it. Met my husband, um, and he's been with me for the, for the longest time. Actually, in November, we'll be married 16 years, but we've been together for 22. 
Um, before I met my husband, I got pregnant again. I had my son, who is now 24, uh, and my husband has been raising my son since. Um, through my entire marriage with my husband has been very difficult. I cheated on my husband. I was a liar. I was not faithful to anyone. Um, it was always about me. I was very selfish. Um, I mean, I can just tell you I was definitely by far the worst person. But with all this, uh, my health declined. I had a severe uh, depression, tried to commit suicide three times. Uh, two of those times, I don't even know how I'm still, still alive, to be honest, but only the grace of God. Um, and I never was able to find God in any religion. I went to every single religion possible. I was, yes, I was looking for God. I went to Christianity, went to Catholic again. I went to even Mormon, Baptist. Um, I went to non-denomination and never, ever, every time somebody would say, if you want to receive Jesus, come to the podium and to the altar. And I would be the first one to go and never felt anything. I was always leaving disappointed. Um, I never really was um, feeling what everybody kept saying, the Holy Spirit. And for me, all that was like, oh, look at that person. I was making fun of people fasting out, basically. I was one of those people, too. Um, man, I was just full of hate, pain self-destruction, um, so much anger, disappointment, rejection, you name it, I had it. I was just, I just entirely was a, a complete mess. Um, then the worst part of my entire life here was when I ended up having a misdiagnose of um, SBT, supraventricular tachycardia, where it actually was POTS dysautonomia. And we end up finding this out after the fact, even though I requested for the test to be done before the ablation, um, the doctor just said, no, you have SBT and we can just um, uh, do an ablation and you'll be fine. So we rent the ablation, which is a, they kind of go through, through your arteries and use a little robot, I guess, what they use nowadays. And they burn the AV note of my heart so much, and if, for those of you who don't understand what AV node is, is the area, the pathway of the electricity of your heart that makes your heart pump. And so the AV node was completely burned, and I ended up having a third-degree heart block, which is a complete heart block where your heart does not function any longer and its own energy. I had to use a pacemaker, which is the box with the battery and two wires. So I have a wire um the top and the bottom of my heart, and that's what is, is what's pumping the heart. And so it took, uh, that was on June 10th, 2019, and I lasted for a whole year of suffering, not able to walk and talk at the same time. I was not even, even able to um, process food. Also, I lost a lot of weight. I was 101, 105 the most. And it, it took eight years of um struggles here to, to try to get the right medication. So I was diagnosed with uh, monodepressant. I, was, um, I went to psychiatry hospital. I almost got admitted in there and stayed there, but my husband declined that and he took all the responsibility. So I had to show up at this mental institution for uh, weeks at a time from eight in the morning to five o'clock in the afternoon at times. And there were medications given all the time. So I was drugged all the time. 
I was taking not only the antidepressants, but I was taking the, the product that drives the antidepressants. I don't know if you ever spoke about this kind of stuff in here, but literally there is a medication that that holds the medication and takes it to the brain, basically. So I was taking that. I was taking Xanax. I was taking, um, I, I had insomnia, severe insomnia, and panic attacks up to, it, it was crazy. I had leaky gut. I had IBS, um, and, and the list goes on and on. So I was taking a total of 14. And my Facebook uh, page, I have a photo where I took photos of all my medications and how sick I was at that time. Um, so I had high blood pressure, then the low blood pressure started dropping, so they gave me that too. So I was just going on and on with all these meds, and nothing was working for me. Um, on the beginning of May, we were going through the whole uh, fear of COVID, and obviously with my immune system uh, being so compromised, the fear was even greater in the house that I even made a YouTube video one time to how to go to the store, put on the gloves and mask, double mask, and stay away as possible from everybody, and clean your, your product, put it in your car, in, in your cart, then from your cart to the car, clean it again, and then clean it before it comes. It was really bad. And uh, the only thing that I was able to do was just sit in in my living room, bought a machine and started donating masks. We were running out of masks and there was no mask to be found. So I started donating masks and, and ordering fabric online to be delivered. And in one of those days, um, I felt like stars showing up and I felt like something just hit me and I almost passed out and my husband called 911 and Three days back and forth, the hospital said, no, we're not keeping you because we, 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 we have COVID and you're fine. Your heart is fine. We just don't know why your blood pressure is so high. It was just very, very high. So finally, one, uh, one, one of the right in the ambulance, uh, the doctor said, well, you know what? We're going to just put you in a regular room and um, we'll monitor you there. And, uh, and see what happens and find out why you have you know, this high blood pressure. So they were really trying to do all this blood work, nothing. They could not find nothing wrong with me. They kept looking at me like I was some crazy girl. But the only thing they could see is that, that I had high blood pressure. There was nothing shown in the blood, but yet my blood pressure was very high. The pacemaker that I have actually has a reading and nothing was wrong with the heart. They could not understand why my blood pressure was so high. So finally, I just knew on May 9th at nighttime, I had a, a weird experience. I just knew that I was going to die. I just had that strong feeling, and I just started um, with a little bit of the energy that I had. I just started just saying I'm sorry um, and texting family members and and things like that that, that would just make me feel better because I knew I was going to die. And I remember very clear right now, um, the room was so dark, and I had so much fear of dying that um, didn't want to die. Like, you know, when you when you were so depressed, the first thing you think of, I want to die. I want this to be over. That day, I had so much fear because I felt something was just so wrong and that I didn't know where I was going, but yet I knew I was going. I knew that something dark was waiting for me. I just knew um, and this is by far the first time I'm sharing this. I asked God to just speak through me and, and let me release to you guys 
um, something I have not released. And that's the one thing I'm seeing so clear and in feeling it so strongly. And so um, the next day, the May 10th, 2020, that was Mother's Day, and the doctor comes in, he's, sorry, we can't find what's wrong with you. We'll, we can continue to watch you monitor here. And I just look at the doctor, and I said with very, I was very weak, and I said, look, do I have a high blood pressure? Yes. Do you know what it is? No. Then send me home because I'm going to die. He says, no, you're not going to die. I say, I'm going to die. I just knew. So I asked my husband to please just take me home, and he agreed, carried me halfway to the car, comes home, took me to the backyard. I'm on the phone and speakerphone with my sister, and I'm asking my sister to forgive me. I'm asking my children to forgive me. I'm asking my husband to forgive me. I started just telling them I'm going to die. I'm I'm dying. I'm dying. And I just kept saying that. My sister, so she's a nurse practitioner, so she started saying, "Stop, you know, being crazy, so dramatic. You're always being a drama queen." And so she told my husband, "Have her sleep." I lay down in the back um, where I was. Um, we had a a house with a lake in the back, and I told him to take me outside. And I lay down there. And I started breathing really, really fast. And I know so many of you that are listening to this, if you've ever seen your family member gone, uh, dying, know that when I was dying, my body was dying and my spirit was more alive than ever. Just so you know, my I didn't feel pain. I didn't feel, I knew that I, my heart was stopping. I knew that my breathing was slowing down. I was, I was breathing so fast and then slowly, slowly stop. And then I just, I even heard the last bit of my heartbeat and I started coming out out of my body. First of that, let me go back. I heard a voice before I came out. Are you ready to come home? That gentle. That was the one word. Are you ready to come home? It was so gentle. And I knew the voice for some reason, I had never heard it in the past, like hearing it that clear. And I said, yes. And I just started coming out of my body, floating on top of my husband's head, looking down and I came to a stop. And I just, I just said to myself, oh my God, I died. My body's dead. And as I'm looking down, I am seeing my twins. I have a twin daughter and a twin son uh, that were fighting. My daughter was arguing my son, and I can I could tell you so clearly where she was telling him, my mom is, is, is dying, she's dead, and she said, and you here wanting this and that, like she was talking about food that he wanted and, and acting misbehaving, and uh, he said, no, she's not dead, and he, she said, yes, she's dead. And then my other daughter, who was very, very sick uh, a lot, too, with me, we were going constantly being in the hospitals and doctor's office with her, too. Uh, she was rocking herself in the corner of my bedroom, and I could hear her thoughts and worry. She was very worried about me. She was having a panic attack. My husband was um, going through his phone, texting every family member and um, concerned about, he kept saying her heart rate is dropping because he ended up putting my Apple watch and check my heart rate. That's the only way he could see it. That's like what I could actually see. That's incredible what I could hear right now. And so um, as I am in that state, I feel the presence of this amazing being. I'm not able to see it, but I feel the presence 
and I was at peace. Um, I had some joy, not a lot, but I had peace and joy. But in my mind, this no longer I'm speaking. In my mind, I was thinking, what about my children? And this voice, again, said they will be okay. Show me like a screen or photo of my best friends, my two best friends. And I had peace, more peace just came in through me. And immediately when I felt that peace in the blink of an eye, I went into a darkness. Um, in this darkness, how I explained it to people, the best way is if you ever uh, go down underground and you cover it up and you stay inside, it's darker than that. It's dark as the darkest I ever, ever experienced in my entire life. And so obviously um, with that, it's fear. It started all these ugly emotions that I had in within the body. I had them in that darkness. Um, I I knew um, I was going to hell. And keep in mind that I in my body then I didn't believe there was true of anything. I didn't believe there was a true hell. I didn't believe there. Even though I was raised Catholic, I didn't believe any of this. It's like one of those things that you have to see to believe. That's who I was. And I knew. Then my whole being, whatever I was there, was going to hell. I just knew something really bad. It was going to happen to me. And my head was going down. Like, I'm shooting down. I'm not going up. I'm going down with my head down, my head, my feet up. I was, like, upside. Like, I was my head down and feet up. So better way to say. And I started praying in different languages. I don't speak only Spanish and English, but I knew I was speaking Italian. I mean, all these languages. And the last word that I can clear recognize was only in Spanish. And I was praying to our father. And I pray that all the time, every single time. I'm like constantly praying that because I knew that's what pulled me out. And I prayed to our father. And in moment I, I prayed and I started asking God for forgiveness, I almost felt like the one thing that was judging me was myself. Uh, the more I really pray about all this, God never came and judged me, never said, you're not, you know, nothing. I just felt the spirit just belong not to God at that moment. And I start asking for forgiveness and asking, please forgive me. And I pray to our father, when I pray to our father, this blue light shoot out through my, my whole being. And then the white light came in. Like just, I felt the whole wind and um, that blue light, and this is the part I always tell people, please don't judge this, okay, because it's my experience, but I saw this demon that I knew was the enemy, I knew was Satan, and I just knew, like I just have seen him somewhere kind of thing, and he disappeared with the white light. He didn't say anything to me. I just saw with the blue light his, his face. It was just horrible. And um, when I pray to our father, I hear this river sound voice and his, his words were, close your eyes and do not turn around. So here I am trying to find my eyes that I don't feel like I have, but I still felt like I was closing them, but I still could see that I was in the darkness. And as I am closing supposedly my eyes, I I start seeing through my feet, I'm seeing this light coming out of this darkness, kind of like gray clouds. All of a sudden, it started coming to be gold, 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 and it's this golden light like the sun. 
through my feet and I slipped. Now I'm on my head up going up and not down. And I stood up in the front of this entry. What I, I, there was no gate. There was nothing like that. It was just pure golden light. And I hear this voice again, come, come, you're home. And he said it three times. And I felt that everything, every time I hear his, this riverly voice, so strong, but so smooth, it was almost like giving me shots of, of my being, knowing that that's my home. That's, this is the best way I can explain it, because you're not seeing my hands to interpret this. But I can give you by voice, is like you speaking to somebody, that's why now I understand how strong our mouth, our voices are. But when he spoke those, I just shook in, into who I am and I knew I belonged there, but I didn't want to go in there. And there were some beings in front of me and I cannot recognize anybody or tell you, oh yeah, this is my aunt. No, I cannot recognize it, but I could see a trace of people, but there were white beings, like the lights, like white beings. And when he says, come, come, and everybody was celebrating, celebrating, come, the key, they even said, not Katrina, not Karina, they said, come, Karina, come, come, Karina, like, my name is Karina, and I was, like, feeling the joy, and, and knowing that I, I was loved for the first time, but what truly, truly got me the most was when I asked him if he could show me anybody, and in heaven, because I knew it was heaven, that passed and that I would recognize. And in 2019, on a Thursday before my pacemaker, uh, my Yorkie, my one-year-old Yorkie passed away. And it was very painful for the entire family. So going back into standing in front of heaven and still standing in the darkness, being invited to come in, I asked God, if this is home, I want you to show me somebody in my life that, that, I have, that is here. And he didn't show me anybody. All he said is, open your eyes, open your eyes, and look to your right. And I acted like I'm opening my eyes. My eyes are open because I'm able to see all this thing. But I'm like kind of squinting. I felt like I was squinting, and I opened my eyes to the right, and there's my Yorkie with my other pets. And I started having this joy, and I felt the trust to come in. And as I'm coming in, the golden light touched the tip of my head in this warmth of love. I was being hugged from the top of my head. And I can explain that best is like when you flick your hair so tightly with gel, and that tiny hair, that any tiny hair pops and that hair touches that golden light. That's how strong and quick was the touch of the love of God. That was the first time I ever, ever felt loved. First time I ever felt joy. There was no more pain, nothing. There was nothing else within my being that I felt. So I went in and I was full of happiness. And the first thing I, I saw was this big old white angel in front of me had a, a box on the hand. Um, and the first thing I heard is for me to swallow it. And I swallowed it. 
And that was that was one thing that I had to kind of be very careful to share because I was like, I had never ever was able to share this because I needed to really pray about it to to make sure that I was saying exactly what I was seeing because it's exactly what I saw. And um, the moment that I was welcome, I could have like a three sister vision when God was speaking to me, and I could not see him, but I could see the white light coming through the angel. And I almost could say the voice, I could see the voice in within my being. The the ground was gold, golden streets. I could see the golden streets. I then was taken where there's a tree, a huge, fat, big tree. I mean, the trunk of the tree is fat, big. And the tree had flowers in it. I had seen this beautiful waters, crystal clear, you could see on the bottom next to it. Um, that's what I called it, the river. That's what I saw. And under the tree, there was a bench. Those those stone bench that you see here, but that was the one that I saw was gold. Um, then two angels were taking me um, over heavens, me looking up over heavens, and I and I heard one of the angels asking me, "Do you like it?" And I took. My thought was, I love this place, and I could see massive, massive sunflowers, massive flowers, beautiful, beautiful colors I had never seen. Um, I got to see, um, I have shared this in one or two occasions in in, in an interview where I saw animals I had never seen. Um, I have seen also a mountain where there's some children, and as I'm going, passing by this one particular area, this beautiful, what I thought, I kept, I kept telling my kids, it was a boy or a girl, but she was so pretty um, that I could always say she was a girl. She was so pretty. And she's waving at me. And I'm asking the angels, who are those kids? And I heard those are your grandkids. So I'm passing by. I'm excited about the whole scene. I'm having full joy, full love. And I end up uh, going into an area where I know that's where my house is because I felt this is where my place of praising and loving God is. And I remember beautiful greenery. I could say that it was so big and large that when God came to ask me if I wanted to come back here, I don't know what was wrong with me at that moment, but I say immediately, yes. Um, he then told the angels to give me all the gifts that I wanted and needed. And I started asking for a football field for my son and a soccer field and white horses for my daughter, for my 16 year old daughter. And, um, and then as he's saying, are you sure you want to go back? And I say, yes. Um, I end up falling into this, um, this place. But before that way, I'm going to go back where, when he said, when I said, yes, I asked him if I could share everything I saw with people. He says, yes, but they're going to think you're crazy. And I said, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to tell everybody I'm going to bring back home as many as possible. That's what I said. And then I end up falling on this. Why? Like another place in heaven where the whole floor was, kind of like crystal, uh, white, the whole place was white. Um, and I explained them the first time I, I was 
uh, explained to this to two sisters in Christ to tell them my testimony, what was happening to me. I was just like freaking out when I got back. Um, I told us it looked like a sea. I said, it looks like a sea. It's see-through, but it's not see-through. It's glass, but it's not glass. And I was on all my all fours, and I felt the a presence of something, of somebody, and it comes towards me. And I, the, the, more, the closer he got, the harder it was for me to get up. My head went down to the floor, and I'm trying to pick up my head so I can see who it was. And all I could see was this white rope, and, um, a purple sash, and a golden bell. And um, as I tried to raise my hand, all I could see is a little bit of the beard. I knew his hair was long and curly, like not long. I could just see the past of the shoulder because his hair was in the back. And the whole entire hair, everything was white, like all this white light just shining out. And then he asked me, telepathically again, are you sure you want to go back? And I sense that he didn't want me to go, but I also sense that he needed me to come back. So I said yes. <laughs> Every time I say this, it's, I regret it, believe it or not. Um, but I don't regret it. It's one of those misemotions. And as he stands his hand, he picks me up, and the glory, that's, and now I understand that's the glory. That's how this two sisters told me it was glory. But what I call it when I was explaining to them, said, this is like a power. I was explaining them in the language as not knowing the word, okay? It's like power. Something was compressing me. I was, that's the way I was explaining them then. Um, but it was so strong. And he was the one who brought me, and it was quick. And I was right next to my body, went over my husband's head again. And I'm looking at my body, and I'm like, uh, is it going to feel the same as I come out? Because I, I knew my body was really sick. I knew I could not even breathe or walk. I could not do anything. And he says, it's not going to feel the same. And as I look at it, I was like, okay, here we go. So I went right next to it, and I'm looking at my body, and I'm just thinking through me. I'm like, wow, we don't take anything, like nothing I had a beautiful home, and I was looking at my Apple Watch, and I was like, wow, I don't have nothing. None of that was within me. Well, as I'm trying to get inside my body, my body, what I told people, felt like obese, the spirit. My spirit felt obese. It was too big to get inside my body. To the point for me to get in, I felt this, like the vibration try to fit in a shoe that doesn't fit sort of thing. And as I got in, I took a deep breath. I went, and I grabbed my husband, and I yelled at him. I said, I just came back from heaven. Like, I just went crazy. And he's looking at me, and he's just like, yeah, you're, you're, you're crazy. And then I got up with all the power and energy I was given, and I grabbed my kids, and I started telling them I'm crying. I'm telling them with my, my everything. And I kept saying, because this is how ignorant I was, I said, and, and Satan is not red. He's blue. I saw blue. <laughs> That's all I could see on his face. And um, now I understand a lot about blue blood and all that. But anyways, he, um, I was like telling my kids everything. And I noticed immediately that I, I have been talking about connecting with my twins and my 16-year-old daughter at this time. But I was not connected with my 24-year-old. My, my son back then was 21, I believe. And um, 
And I started worrying about him, and I immediately called him, and I told him what happened, and I immediately had this knowledge of him and knowledge of all things. Like, I came knowing things that I never thought I would believe, or now now I'm on this knowledge and knowing things, and I almost could hear my husband's thoughts, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, I, I didn't want to share this whole thing to to anybody because people are calling me crazy. I mean, they still do. And so in the worst people that I've been battling this is the believers. Oh, what she's saying is not biblical. I, I'm just learning how to ignore it. But the bottom line is that I'm talking to, um, um, getting to the bottom line, I should say, I'm talking to my son and my son is telling me as to why God, I'm telling him, you know, I connected with all the kids, but I did not connect with you. Do you love me? Cause I knew love. It's a big thing about you connecting with people in heaven. God is full of love. And um, and he says, yes, mom, I love you. I said, but I love you. And then I immediately knew there was something wrong uh, within him. And I said, you need to ask God to forgive you. And he said, I got to tell you, mom, that when I was 13, I gave my soul to, I was showering you and, and, and dad, which is my husband, said that we're fighting and I hated this life. And I just said, I told the devil to take my life and I said get down I started crying please don't put yourself in the knees I'm going to pray for you and I'm like I don't even know how to pray but I'm going to say father forgive him and so um I asked him to I've got to forgive him it took three days because the next day I went to go buy bibles and I was not allowed to buy a bible for him at that moment I just heard in the spirit that he was not ready to receive him and um, and I cried, and then the third day, I was told to get up and go get him a Bible, that he was ready, and then my, my husband confessed that he he had a very hard time, and um, he came to the Lord, but um, this really concludes my my testimony, and, and I'll tell you, um, it's been quite a, a walk these two years, because I'm new i'm still learning um i'm studying i'm um i have a group of sisters that truly help me to understand the word at times when i have visions or dreams or or when i hear a word like when i heard the word execute uh when i heard the word um um the, the name of um what's the name jesser uh, there's names, biblical names that I had no idea. They were like, I'm like Patmos. I mean, that's like I don't, I don't know what it is, and that they helped me. And so um, I've been sharing this testimony, and it's been hard. It's been very hard to face people that um, love God, and I know because I can see that they love God. But when they don't have, they're not grounding themselves in the knowledge of the Word or have the Holy Spirit revealed to them what has been revealed to me in such a short time, because we are chosen to clear the path of the Lord, and we are the generation that's going to see things that is being spoken in the Bible, and I get shocked because people don't see the things. Um, and so I'm learning to not speak too much and share too much. I have learned to be very careful. I ask God every time, who can I share this with uh, if I'm given anything? Because even though I had this experience, I still can get deceived. 
if I'm not focusing on the Lord only and not being on social media, not being on YouTube videos, not listening to anybody but the Lord, I'm no longer allowed to watch the news. I'm no longer allowed to um, be following people that are prophetic because I get words and it gets confusing. Um, and so unless is, is, is the Holy Spirit said, I need you to listen to this so to confirm the things. Uh, when I spoke with you, John, a lot of the things that I have heard through the Spirit, you have spoken, and it shocks me to hear brothers and sisters that are getting so much revelation from their own walk. Um, and me receiving it in such a short time, we, I'm only being, guys, I'm only being walking for two years. And it's overwhelming, but it's, it's a blessing. Um, there's so much given in such a short time because we don't have time. We don't have time. We need to get ready. Praise God. Well, you nailed that one, that's for sure. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a perfect uh, uh, handful of words to, to uh, kind of like, uh, you know, bring bring your testimony to a culmination. But um absolutely the most perfect words that you could have chosen and we and we had even talked about this a little bit earlier uh you know this afternoon uh and that you know uh that was where you know we when we were talking about it's not it's not that searching out all these different mysteries in the bible aren't important they are but yes, you know like are. we were talking about earlier if if folks are so busy looking for the devil behind every tree, worrying about every little hand signal, doing this, that, you know, and, and but they're not drawing yes. closer to Jesus. Jesus is not their everything. You know, yes. they, we've got to all shift now. It's time to stop investigating all the stuff that we feel led to investigate. It's time to back off all that and now re, re, reshape our priorities yeah. And our priorities need to be, I would even go as far as to say, two-thirds of your time, every one, every listener of this program, two-thirds of your time that, that you know, you, you should be spending focusing on Jesus, talking to the Lord, singing praise, learning to fully trust God, and, you know, hey, I'm guilty as charged. I'm raising my hand. I'm, I really struggle with it. I, I came forth, and I mentioned it on the prayer vigil because I'm, you know, the, the Lord, what the Lord's doing with me, and I've used the analogy of tossing, you know, kind of grabbing, grabbing us by the, the scruff of the neck and tossing us from one boxing ring to another, and each boxing ring's a little harder. Then you get thrown into another boxing ring, and it's a lot harder. You get beaten up real bad, and then you get thrown into the next boxing ring, and then finally you're, you're there at the you know with Rocky Balboa. Well, I obviously haven't even gotten close to Rocky Balboa at this point. So I don't know why that is, and I mm-hmm. am concerned that it may be that the Lord has some pretty hard things for me to go through in the future. Uh, who knows how long that's going to be? But 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 usually, if if God is going to put you through things mm-hmm. that require you to be on your absolute A game, it's usually mm-hmm. because our Heavenly Father loves you and wants you to be prepared for the things that you're going to have to go through. And that means you're going to have to be tested harder. You're going to have to have more bad things, more tribulation happen to you. And you're going to have to learn mm-hmm. to be Jesus-like, be 
Jesus-like, fully trust the Father. You know, when Jesus in, in Matthew twenty-six thirty-nine is that the right scripture? Something like that where he says, um, Oh, my Father, if it is at all possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my mm-hmm. will, but your will be done. We have all got to get into that exactly. place where, where we're, we're like Job in Job thirteen fifteen. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. And we when and mm-hmm. I I I I know that's my biggest problem right now. My biggest problem, mm-hmm. bar none, is I've got so much ugly coming down on. And I'm just sharing this because I know there's other people out there that are going through this too. I got so much ugly coming down on me all at one time that I can't. Yeah get a grip. I can't get a grip. I am so busy dealing with one emergency after another emergency after another emergency after mm-hmm. another emergency that it forces me to operate in that fight or flight fleshy Johnny. And God is trying to teach me to stop it, knock it off. Stop looking at all these emergencies as, oh, no, this is the worst case scenario. This is going to happen. This bad thing is going to happen. This is going to worrying and fearing and, and, and letting it stack up and triple stack and double stack. And now, you know, the Lord is basically saying, John, you're going to keep on getting pummeled until you learn to really trust me. Yeah, and the, and the and prayer group not, that I you know have. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the prayer groups that I had, um, I had to have uh, sisters and brothers leading back and forth, and many of them had left because, not many, but two or three left because they felt that we were sharing too much of what's going on with the enemy against the, the you know, the believers. But when I prayed about it, because obviously every time somebody leaves, I go back into why they're leaving, what am I doing wrong? You know, I'm always doing a self-check. And of course, Father says every time you uh, you share anything that is the enemy is happening, other people take it wrong. But you need to let them know they need to stay awake, and any fear that comes with them, that means you need to back off and go in prayer and seek me for answers, not go seek uh, YouTube and other things for answers. So I'm very careful now. Definitely have that balance. That's what I call it. Have a balance. Do not fall asleep. Don't shut down, you know, things that you need to know and be aware of the enemy because we need to be prepared. What are we going to fight against and the things that you need to align yourself with? Uh, as I'm learning, I'm sharing this as I t- I'm testifying as I, it's, going, it's working for me. But I make so many mistakes in this walk that that is really put more fear of the Lord than fear of the world in me. Um, but I feel so sensitive. I want to be that rocky person you're talking about that, you know, can, you know, can just forget about what people say and keep moving. I was to the point I was, a, I was about to cancel this interview because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just had an, an amazing interview. And somebody saying that I'm doing satanic symbols when I'm actually moving my face, out of, the hair out of my face. I'm like, what am I supposed to do that? Like, just not move when I'm talking, you know, it's just, and it's sad. It's sad. Um that that we are going through this but god did say you know brothers against brothers sisters against sisters and i my god it is fine it is really happening i don't have issues with a non-believer i have issues with the believers to be honest it's my it's being really bad it's it hurts because i suffer um what what could happen to them if they don't they don't humble and I, I'm working on that. I'm working on making sure that I'm not judging, making sure I'm not focusing on the negative, but just rejoicing of what God is about to do at the end of all things, which is us going back home. 
No, yeah, exactly. That was that. That's a great recap of some of the things that we were talking about on the phone prior to the show, and it's very, very true, you know. Um, and I've talked about this. Uh, wow, I don't even know how many gazillions of times, but uh, over all the years. But you know, the most demon possessed people in the world are Christians. The most evil, mean, snarky, uh, negative-speaking, Satan-hunting, looking-for-fault, judgmental people in the entire earth are Christians. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I don't know if it was Moody. I forget. i got to go look up the historical uh, write-up about it where um, it might have been Moody from the Moody Bible Institute. I think it was. But anyway, he had met uh, – he was on a missionary trip over in India. And he had met Gandhi, and he and he came straight out and said to Gandhi, he goes, you know, we've been over here proselytizing to the people of India now for a really long time, and we're just not making a lot of progress. G- Gandhi, can you tell us what what are we doing wrong? What is the problem with with us not being able to get through to anybody over here? And Gandhi said mm-hmm. one word, Christians. Mm-hmm. Oh, we are. It, it is. It, it's and and you know what? When you realize, when 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 you understand, and to your point earlier, you know, as you grow, you're going to get mm-hmm. more. The more dangerous you become to the devil, the more beatings mm-hmm. you're going to take from other Christians, and the more beatings you're going to take because God has to progress you. See that it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a conundrum. It is, it is a paradox. Mm-hmm. It is a befuddlement. It is st- it, it, there, there's no way to easily describe the dynamic that occurs. But once you start becoming a real problem for Satan, you're going to mm-hmm. start getting hit from mul- from many different directions, and you're going to be attacked by believers. You're going to be attacked by churches. You're going to be attacked by uh, family members. You're going to be um, yeah, ostracized. That's you'll, you'll, yeah. Yep, you'll be in a room full of uh, – you could be in a room full of 100 believers all singing songs and everything else under the sun. But let me tell you something. As soon as they find out what, a little bit about your testimony, they will ostracize you. They won't want anything to do with you. They'll want to secretly lay hands on you and cast devils out of you. Um, the, the, mm-hmm. the Christian church is in an absolutely horrific state right now. Mm-hmm. And um, – and I, it's sad. And so, you know, I spend a little bit of time, and I know you do, you do too, and a lot of us do, praying for our fellow brothers and sisters that are out there. You know, I mean, you know, you could literally do a six-hour show on all the different belief systems and how yeah. aberrant and antichrist they are. But at the end of the the day there but for the grace of god goes all of us really and so it's mm-hmm. always i think a really good thing to set aside a little time to just say father please in the name of jesus you know you know when i i figure i figure our father can do something that we can't and so i ask him father please in jesus name look at the hearts of the people that are in churchianity that are trapped that have been taught incorrectly mm-hmm that have been there for 30 years. Please, Father, in Jesus' name, look at their hearts and supernaturally move upon their lives, even if it requires a catastrophic event. Supernaturally move upon their lives so that they are pushed out of that entrapment and they're able to seek you and become part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Because I personally believe we got plenty, I don't want to say plenty of time, 
But we definitely have productive time that is left for us today, whether it's a year, whether it's six months, we don't know. But the point is this. There are plenty of people that are so close to being exactly what Jesus, they're living holy and righteous lives, but they're trapped. They're trapped in churchianity, and they don't know any better. And yeah, that, I think, is it's just mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah. Well, the mean, I mean, the mean definitely a good advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mean, the mean snarky ones that you can't get through to, you know? I don't I don't worry about them. I figure that's what the great tribulation is for. That's why there's going to be tribulation saints. God's going to make sure he's going to take, you know, <laughs> one way or the other, God's going to refi- use that refiner's fire to get people in, um, you know, and, and save them from the pit. But um, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't want to be one of them. You know what I mean? I, I mean, mm-hmm. now is the time to change. Now is the time to be the beatitude. Now is the time to not presume that you've made it. You're in like Flynn. You know, rem- you know. I don't know if you've read how long. You know, if you read this particular. But one of my favorite parables is the parable mm-hmm. of the tax collector and the Pharisee. Because mm-hmm. it, yeah. it it speaks such. It speaks encyclopedia volumes about how we are supposed to be. How we need to be to have a shot at being part of the barley harvest, the first roots harvest, the first watch. By the way, which is in Luke 12, 35, 36, 37, and 38. It talks about Jesus coming back from the wedding supper. And if he, if he finds you in part of the second watch, blessed are you. If I find, he comes back and finds you part of the third watch, blessed are you. But he never mentions the first watch. And why is that? Because the first watch is already in heaven at the wedding supper. There's your three separate mm-hmm. raptures talk, talked about in the Bible. The thing is, all of us should be aspiring to be everything that we can possibly be. We have, we're so blessed. No matter how horrible the things are that you might be experiencing, no matter how much that refiner's fire is burning you right now, no matter how ostracized, no matter how uh, you know hurt you feel inside your heart, Father, forgive them, for they truly don't know what they do. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I'll even mm-hmm. add to it myself. I'll say, and Father, neither do I. None of yeah, us I understand. Always, I always ask that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> We, yeah, none of us understand the ramifications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, if we sure. all understood the ramifications of our behaviors, I think we would be horrified. Uh, it, uh, uh, Chuck Misler used to say all the time, the number one thing that we're going to regret when we get to heaven is what we could have done but didn't do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's yeah. profound. That's profound. Yeah. So I immediately wow. had a blog talk show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. It didn't feel like that at all. Well, anyway. I, I mean, definitely, definitely want to, to give you what now, uh, since those two years, I just want everybody to know that I'm no longer on any medications, including those that I was supposed to take for survival for me to stay alive. I now gain uh, a good uh, weight. So I'm and from 101, 105, I'm 130 pounds. Doctors can explain that, that how could I possibly be walking without taking medications that I'm supposed to be taking, and quote, unquote. Um, the only thing that I'm still, um, you know, obviously not self-praying and I don't focus on is the pacemaker. But other than that, I don't take anything 
Um, I don't disqualify the medical field, but I do follow what the Holy Spirit told me when I heard Jesus, what you're healed by my stripes. I didn't even know that was even in the word. So I don't take medications. My husband is now seeing a different wife. He's just, I married a total different woman. Um, he actually allowed me to have a, this prayer office is an office in my prayer room. Uh, he's not quite there yet, but we, we definitely seeing a lot of uh, things that God is doing in his life and using him. Um, he's become a better person as I, he's seen my differences. I no longer wear sexy clothes. I actually was told to remove my breast implants and I did in prayer. Um, I was even given the name of the doctor and uh, all these amazing uh, things uh, were revealed to me throughout this whole experience. And I also was told not to um, wear any makeup in the moment that I was learning all this and to cover my head. I didn't know that was even in the Bible. Many people argue with me, well, your hair is, you're covering. No, I got to listen to the Holy Spirit. But of course, with growing, uh, a lot of the things were shown to me is to break away from all the things that were I actually was looking at without me leaving without it, basically. Um, I can barely walk in heels, so I don't walk, you know. I, I work very, I, I dress very modest. I put a little bit of, you know, mascara here and there, but I don't wear all the makeup artists, you know, step one all the way. I'm not saying don't do it because that's what the Holy Spirit was teaching me. Um, and um, I'm extremely, extremely respectful for every sister that is, is different than me. But like I, like I want to make sure that everybody is growing differently. And for me, coming from a fashion uh, makeup artist, God wanted to completely do a, to- a totally change, um, and he did. Uh, I'm happy. I'm, the only bottles really, truly that it's happening is really the spiritual bottles that I have against brothers and sisters not aligning uh, or liking the the testimonies that that I share, whatever. So I'm 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 very very grateful to meet you, John. You you confirm so much to me. Um, so thank you so so much. And I hope I have questions. I'll be open for questions if anybody needs you know an answer. Praise God. Well, um, yeah, we are, we're not really set up to bring people live on with questions um, uh, on this program. We used to do it. Yeah, we used to do it via email where we set up a special TN radio show email where people could send in questions. Um, but even even when we did that, we really didn't get as many live you know, uh, questions. And a lot of people listen to the podcast, too. So as a matter of fact, the vast majority of people have shifted over to the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, wow. um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much, um, Karina, yeah. for everything, yeah. all the time that you've taken. I one of the things I can absolutely be, yeah, and I know you know this, but but merits restating. The things that you're going through are things that most of, all of us are have gone through at one time or another, or are currently going through. So it's like a never-ending thing, um, and that is, you know. Um, you come to a place in your walk, it doesn't, it, you know, you could call it a hundred rung ladder, 100 rungs to get your, we talked a little bit about this, to get that ladder above the canopy of the Amazon forest. So you're able to finally see Jesus the way that you need to see him, to finally see our Father the way you need to see him, get above and out of churchianity, get above and out of the narratives, the lies, the misunderstandings of the scriptures, expand your 
love for the Lord and your love for all of those of whom he loved, because we are Jesus on the earth from now until the day that we leave. And it's a blessing, a powerful, powerful blessing for all of us to be going through the things that we're going through, even though it really is unpleasant to have to experience it. But knowing why does help a lot. And it and it is unfortunate, but people are Christians are the primary target of Satan. The people that are on an eight lane freeway going straight to hell, Satan isn't going to waste any time with them because they're going exactly where he wants them to go. The ones that he needs to attack are the ones that if they wake up become a true enemy of his mission, all right? And that's who we are. And when we get to that place in our walk, when we, and it's, you never arrive. The journey only gets more and more intense the higher you go up on the ladder. The bigger the threat you are to Satan, the more you're going to get body slammed. And, And the more you have to understand spiritual warfare, you have to understand how to yeah. cast the demons out. You've got to understand how to use the holy fire of God. And even that isn't going to give you a peaceful, easygoing walk. It will help. It will help a lot. But you will never get to a place where – and you don't want to get there either. That parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee is your best friend. Jesus said – Look at the Pharisee. Pharisee's over there. He's got his hands raised up in the sky, and he's going, I praise you, Father God, for you have chosen me. I praise you, Lord God. And the, and the tax collector's ripping his, his robe, and his head is hanging low, and tears are pouring out his eyes, and he says, I will never be worthy. I will never be worthy. And Jesus says, you all need to be like the tax collector. Wow. And you yes. know what? I'm so, yes. I don't know about you, but I haven't been in a church in over 40 years that was anything at all like the tax collector. And that scares me but for them. Yeah. And, you know, but, you know. Oh, and, and tell everybody before we wrap the show up what, what the Lord told you about um, you were getting all sad and bummed out because you weren't able to get through to people. And what did the Lord tell you? You're not the savior. I am. I was like, wow. It was very deep because I was really crying because yeah. nobody really listening. Yeah. Nobody think people are think you're crazy. Some people, you know, she's she's she still has Jezebel. She's a demon. She has divination. She's this. She's that. And I just like crying for them. And and um and he says, stop. You are not the savior. I um, have a relationship yeah. with me and stop the religious spirit. And we really, we need, we need to really have that relationship. I was asking God, where do I take this whole testimony? He says, I asked him, I said, what religion? He says, no religion. I want you to have a relationship with me. So I do go to on and off to, you know, some churches to be there and pray for people there and be a vessel. But I'm not even allowed to judge. Uh, I'm not called to be judging any religion and anything. I am there to testify for what God did, and that's it. And I'm out, you know, because it was really heavy on me um, trying to act like that Savior, you know, the, the Savior, the Karina Savior, <laughs> not Jesus Savior. 
and I'll go. Well, wow, you get discouraged. It's normal. Yes, yes. So nah, he said it's, that. It's he said normal. it very clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I heard uh, it in yeah. a really clear voice. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. Yeah, I told you I was standing down in the dining room, and I I kept on getting all these calls from people. You know, just it could be in the form of a text message. It could be in the form of an email. But I was like, and, you know, the example that I used, which which is a really common example, by the way, is when somebody gets in touch with me that I've, you know, I may have known or had a phone call with at some point, you know, maybe a year earlier or half a year or whatever, and they get on the phone with me and they're like, I joined this group of believers because I wanted fellowship. It was a prayer group on YouTube and, or on Facebook, and oh, it just and then everybody started calling me names, and it was just absolutely horrible, and and it was just hate and 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 i and i and i i you know i would be like i'd become so frustrated inside because i thought to myself didn't i warn people like 80 times in the last four months not to go out and find you know a group of christians to fellowship with on facebook but But you know let me tell you why my uh, go ahead i'm sorry no, you know what my sister, well, well, my I'll, sixteen, my okay, go ahead. <laughs> this is juicy. No, it's it's, my it's the delay, so I'm officially being quiet now. One, three, two, okay. one, quiet. Go. Got it. So my sixteen-year-old daughter, uh, I was talking to my twin daughter not to do certain things, right? Because I don't want her to get hurt, and I know that you know I'm supposed to really speak more life into my daughter than than anything else and not really force God because I was told not to also in prayer. And so I was just like being a mom, just concerned. And then my daughter, my 16-year-old my daughter looks at me and goes, Mom, you know, sometimes we have to go through pain to learn that what you said it was true. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is exactly what God has told me. I need to let these people, as many times you warn them, they just have to go through it. I mean, I, for example, have prayer groups, and I end up crying because I want fellowship. I want to pray. I want to learn. And I, I, I just want to connect with the body of Christ. But then the, I end up getting hurt. I end up getting hurt. And God has warned me many times to stop, right? But I'm, I'm in love with just a small group now. I just only have like 10 sisters. Um, and it's not like a constant conversation it's on and off but know that it took two years for me to find some sisters all over the world because these are from all over the world and 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 we just intercede we're not like we don't gossiping is the one thing i never liked before and i would never do it this time but uh it's literally what it is you have warned many people of many things not to do and they still do it and the only way for them to truly find out is for them to go through it fall in their faces cry to the Lord, and then the Lord would tell them, well, I sent someone to warn you. You didn't, you didn't hear them. You didn't hear me. So now you're back at me, and I'm happy. I'm rejoicing this. Now get up and go. <laughs> so that's what I've been told. Get up and go. Go continue continue talk. And um, that's what I've learned on my part. Because if I were to hear you say, don't join these groups, I would not want to done it probably. Or to pray and ask God, is that true what he's saying? Because I like to ask God always what anybody's t- trying to tell me. But I I see your heart. I see that you're really trying to warn many people. But the truth is, is, is um, they will not listen. I mean, I didn't listen. 
and I got hurt now, many it, times. It, I'm learning. It, it's how it is. No, and 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 it it's. I you know I had like I told you I had my I had my I hit I hit an apex I hit the peak of my frustration and I was like okay well what's the point father why should I bother doing this radio show <laughs> if I'm out here pouring my heart out you know giving up hours and hours and hours of my free time when everybody else gets to rest and go to bed early and I'm you know dealing with an incredibly stressful job and all the other things well, you know what is the point and that's when Jesus said basically the same thing that he said to you he said to me he said. He said, I, I came to save the world, not you. And so it's funny, too, because I, I reflect back about 11 years ago, I think it was about 2011, where I wrote this article, and I just the, the title of the article was Johnny Appleseed Everywhere. And so the <laughs> thought was, plant seeds, man. Throw the seeds all over the place. It's not our problem. You know, the one thing that you can do is you can say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I call down the crystal river. I call down the the, the living water. I pray in the name of Jesus for your abundant grace to flow deep into their hearts, yes. to fertilize the soil therein, that they will receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain in accordance with John fifteen sixteen in Jesus' name. So I like to fertilize the Amen. soil as best as I can supernaturally in prayer, but at the same time, time mm-hmm. i i don't uh i don't get a bee in my bonnet and start you know i used to i used to i used to get a bee yes, in my bonnet i was like Dick, nabbit, why do i even bother doing this you know doggone you know <laughs> you know yes. and then and now it's just like you know what we're so close right now the only thing that matters is we constantly examine ourselves examine our hearts drawing closer to the lord have that personal time, dwell in the secret place of the Most High, Psalm 91, be close to the Father. Everything else takes a back seat. It has to take a back seat now because, f- folks, if you don't make that number one in your walk right now, well, you might end up being one of them foolish virgins that didn't make the cut. And I would hate to, ha- I, I pray for every single listener of this program constantly that not one of us misses out on the first watch praise god katrina uh i'm sorry karina thank you so so much for joining us tonight what a powerful testimony and i hope i get to um you know share some uh stuff with you again and talk to you again on the phone Um, it was was really fun yeah it was really fun thank you all for joining us tonight Thank you. God, God bless, you. bless you. And looking at the clock, it's September the 25th of 2022. Yeah, I know. You're saying, no way. And I'm saying, yeah, yeah. we're still here. But anyway, God bless you all. We'll see you Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Yeah. Up <laughs> you can if you want, or you can just listen to the music. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Good night. You know, I got to go. Bye. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? 
for you we will endure until you come back for your bride to set her free. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.